Hi, welcome to Nighttime Stories, a podcast about stories. Today on the show we have Rebecca Copeland, author of Manslaughter. It's a fast-paced book with plenty of action, available now on the Kindle store and soon to be available in hard copy. In the interview, we talk about the book and how she got started writing. Hopefully you enjoy it, so let's get to the interview. So, Rebecca Copeland. That's me. That's you. Give us a, uh, a synopsis, a short description of your book. Well, it's a psychological thriller based on scientific theory that deals with the moral issue of committing crime for the supposed greater good. And where did, where did you get that idea from? I was sitting in a psychology class that focused on the limbic system. Um, mainly the amygdala, which controls your sense of, like, your response to injustice. And I just started thinking, like, what if you messed around with that? What if you changed the balance? So uh, was that a was that a Dr. Dickey class? It was. Oh, that's great. <laughs> we could t- we could just talk about Dr. Dickey for this podcast, and that'd be that'd be a good episode. Oh, Dr. Dickey is full of everything. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> It's a pretty long book. It's about 200 pages, isn't it? It is. It's, well, if you just put it in Word document, it's 230 pages. But because the size changes, like the hard copy books, it's about five and a half by eight and a half. It would be more like 350 mm. something pages. That's impressive. How did so, you, uh, how did you keep the determination to write that much? I kind of just thought I'm either going to do this or I'm not. And I can't go halfway, so I'm going to go all the way. And mm-hmm. I just, like, every time I sat down, I was just like, I got to do it. And I love doing it, so that made it easier. I mean, mm-hmm. it was difficult at times. There were times when I was just like, oh, I don't feel like doing this. But, you know, it, you love it and you hate it. It's yeah. kind of like all careers, I think. There's an equal measure of dislike and enjoyment. So how long did it take you to write this? You said it was... A psychology class, so I assume you started, like, maybe at least a year ago at most. Actually, the psychology class that I sat in was during Falcon Days of last March, so March of 2014. So I got the idea for it in that class in March of 2014, and then I kind of started playing with the idea and getting it all laid out, and I wrote the book in one month. In November. Oh, yeah. 1,500 words a day. That was an interesting month. Yeah. National Novel Writing Month. I've tried yes. that a, yes. few, a few times. Really? Succeeded zero times. <laughs> it was definitely... I stayed up till 3 a.m. almost every night trying to get it done, but I was just so... I'm, I'm not an all-or-nothing person, but like when I want to do something and I'm like, I have to get this done, it's like I physically can't stop until I've done it, so... That's probably the only reason that I ever got that done. Mm-hmm. So this is the first in a trilogy, correct? It is. Are you planning to finish the next two during November as well? or I'm or? pretty much going to use the same method as I did for this one because it seems to have worked pretty well. I might have even finished this one sooner if I hadn't kind of gotten lazy and busy at the same time mm-hmm. <laughs> during... During the end of second semester, 
Um, so maybe the length of the process will change a little bit, but I'm definitely hoping to write it in a month and then spend the next 11 months editing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when, when do you expect your hard copy edition to come out? Well, I have been working on it for a while, and it's kind of a difficult process because there are parts of it that I don't know how to do, so I'm needing help with it. And it's taken me a little bit to get that help, but hopefully I'll have it submitted for review today. And then at that point, it's up to the people at CreateSpace to look it over, make sure there's no problems, and then come back to me and say either, hey, you need to fix this, or hey, we're publishing it. So Okay. Well, not publishing, but printing it. Yeah. Do you have any advice for other newly starting authors? Uh... <laughs> Well, I I guess I would caution new writers because I never thought about the marketing aspect of this. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm not an ambitious person. I don't care if this book is famous or, you know, internationally known. But some people are, are like, hey, I want to get my book out there. I want people to love this. And so I guess I would just caution new writers that you need to know, you need to either have money to be able to pay somebody to market this for you. And that's a lot of money. Like, I'm mm-hmm. telling you, I looked at it, I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't have the money for this. I'm going to have to do this myself. So I, you just need to know how to market it. And that was something that I had to learn along the way. Let's take a break for a word from our sponsors, audible.com. That's right, audible.com. This is a podcast about stories, and there's literally no better place to hear some stories than audible.com. They have over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from, and for listeners of this podcast, they're offering a free one-month trial. Free. Free audiobooks. There's literally no reason not to go sign up. Go to audibletrial.com slash nighttime stories. There's a lot of great books on there. I highly recommend Wolf in White Van by John Darnielle and Walt Disney, The Triumph of the American Imagination by Neil Gabler. That's audibletrial.com slash nighttime stories. Now back to the show. Is this your only um, idea for, for this, or are you planning on doing another book or series? Um, I hadn't thought about it too much, just because this trilogy is kind of taking up so much time and energy, and I haven't had time to think about anything else. But I did have other book ideas before I started writing this book. It's actually kind of a funny story because I had I I'd been planning this book for you know several months before I started my fr- my freshman year of college, and because I got the idea in March of 2014, that was my senior year. So once I got into college, I was still thinking about it, you know. And then NaNoWriMo came up, um, National Novel Writing Month. And I started writing a different book that I had been thinking about previously but hadn't thought about it in forever. And then 10 days into it, I'm like, why am I writing this book? I've been planning this other book for how many months now? Why am I not writing this? So I started over. <laughs> and I I started over. <laughs> that was difficult, but I made it through. So I survived. So what was your favorite part of the writing process? The, the coming up with the idea or the actual writing or... I, I would imagine, for me, it'd be the getting finished part. Um, the getting finished part was a high, definitely. But, I don't know, I think my favorite part was, like, the major editing. 
the first time I went through and edited all of it, I got to change around scenes and delete. I thought of it as a movie, like when you go in and you're like, the scene does not work and it, we're going to cut this mm. and you need to add something else. That was really fun for me because I kind of got to, it just made me feel like, okay, I'm doing the best I can with this. I'm changing what I don't like. I'm adding things that I really, really like. Mm -hmm. So it, it gave me time to look back on it and fix the things that I didn't care for. That no. was satisfying. When you were editing it, did you, like, when I read something that I've read, I kind of cringe when I look back <laughs> over it. Did Was that the experience, or were you pretty proud of it? <laughs> like, sometimes I'm I'm excited that I wrote something, and it's, like, actually decent, and then mm -hmm. other parts is, like, why did I, why did that even happen? <laughs> uh, that was definitely parts of the book. Some Sometimes I would, it was mostly plot holes for me. Mm. I would look at it and be like, this doesn't even make sense. What? This must have been a 3 a.m. writing mm -hmm. session because this doesn't make sense at all. That was most of it. But for the most part, I was pretty proud of it. I was, I was happy with mm -hmm. it. Tell us about the very, very first book that you wrote. When I was 12, <laughs> I wrote a book about a dog. And he had a human and a panther. And they went into the forest <laughs> And they explored some, and then everyone died in the end. Oh, okay. That's always a good ending. Mm hmm yeah. So you've been writing consi consistently since you were 12 or before that? or I have been writing for, I, I don't remember exactly when I started, but most of my writing career has been in role-playing. Well, career, whatever. <laughs> most of my writing experience has been in role-playing because I was online, you know, when I was 10, 11, and I was playing horse.com. I don't know if anybody knows what that is anymore. Horse.com? Horse.com. Horse.com is our sponsor for this episode. <laughs> yes. And I was on there, you know, just taking care of my horses. But, like, there's a secret half of that website that is just 15-year-olds role-playing about random stuff. And, like, it's it's crazy. It Almost everybody knows what it is on that website. It's either an eight-year-old who's taking care of a little pixel horse, or it's somebody who is far too old to be playing that game, <laughs> role-playing <laughs> in the equestrian forums. And so that's that's kind of where I started, you know, just writing, and that was where I got a lot of my experience and learned a lot about the writing process, especially having to work with other people to create a story. That was really, that was really fun. I, I believe it was uh, Thoreau who said that his writing career also started from horse.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was. That might have been Walt Whitman. I'm not sure. I don't know who that is, but oh, I'm really? sure you do. I trust you. I trust your yeah. word. He's a he's a good guy. He was. Oh, is he dead now? Yeah, he, oh. I think he died like 100 years ago. Oh, okay. All right, well, that that doesn't make me feel better. But oh. I was about to say it makes me feel we're, better. We're, we'll, all, we'll all die someday. Yeah, someday. We're all dying. Someday we're going to look back on this. Or not, not we, because we'll be dead. But our great-grandchildren, our descendants, will say... <laughs> they'll, they'll say, man, it was uh, 100 years ago that that person died that wrote that book called Manslaughter. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, you'll be famous. They'll probably think I was a psychopath. Yeah. That's another uh, interesting part of writing 
was the title because I titled it Manslaughter because that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. And I'm not one for complexity and hidden meanings. So I was just like, okay, it's called Manslaughter because that's what it's about. But I never want to tell people what it's called. Like people at church come up to me like these old nice ladies and they're like, so I heard you wrote a book. What is it about? And I'm just, it's... Uh, an action book. It's about action. <laughs> and they just look at me like, okay, that's great. I'm sure I'll read it someday before I die. <laughs> Manslaughter is like the worst. It like, It's like murder, except it sounds so much worse than yeah. murder, even though it's not supposedly as bad. And I picked that. I, I like that word. I, I know that sounds awful, but I love the word manslaughter. It just sounds so intense. Mm-hmm. And so like, It does crazy but it's it is intense and crazy and it's also about murder so mm-hmm. people are like man i thought becca was a nice person mm-hmm. but we're gonna have to read this book and find out <laughs> yeah list three reasons why people should buy this book why people should buy this book one i make two dollars off of every book <laughs> two dollars okay just kidding just kidding that doesn't count as a reason <laughs> um, that's a good reason i mean it's a good reason for me <laughs> But why you should buy this book, why it will benefit you, um, well, I mean, it's good to read in your spare time. It's grammatically correct. Mm. Uh, the plot is actually fairly interesting. You know, it's not boring. Um, like I said, I'm not an ambitious person. <laughs> I mean, I don't think this is the greatest book to ever, you know, hit the shelves. But it won't bore you. So you will enjoy reading it in your spare time. And that is as good a reason as you can ever have to read a book, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Reason number two. uh, Deal with moral issues. I mean, I I didn't start it out with that intention, but you might learn something about thought processes, and you might think about what you might do in the same situation as Luke finds himself in, in the book, which might be interesting. I know I have thought about it many times haven't quite come to a conclusion yet (laughs) reason number three the cover art's really cool (laughs) who did the cover art i did oh okay cool (laughs) yeah i i actually was going to commission somebody to do it and then i kind of realized i was like i just have a really simple idea i want it to be clean you know not busy just so i could probably do this myself and i sat down one afternoon and i did it Mm -hmm. Took me a few tries, but to figure out, you know, the, because I don't know if you, you've seen it, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. You know what it looks like. It's, I did the handprint with ink and then the blood splatter with just red paint. And it was kind of, I, it took me a long time to figure out how to splatter the paint. That was a frustrating <laughs> half hour, but eventually I, I Googled it. So that's how I did my cover. Mm-hmm. I Googled it. Yeah. It's always the, uh, the best way. To do anything is Google it first to make sure you're exactly. doing it Exactly. Right. That's like my, that's practically my motto. Mm-hmm. When in doubt, Google it. Yeah. It's helped me in many a troublesome time. Google is also a sponsor of this episode. Mm-hmm. So you said you're not one for uh, hidden meanings or, or whatever. Does that mean that uh, the book is just completely at face value or is there more uh, more to it? I mean, the, ooh, that's a hard question. I... I have gone, while editing, I did not write it with the intention of hiding meanings in the text, but while editing, I kind of went back through and I was like, 
reading it, I was like, well, you could take this a couple ways. I mean, this could be a metaphor here, and here's some foreshadowing, and this just happened by accident. So it was kind of, it was a little bit of a surprise, because I was like, I didn't know I wrote these things, but they happened anyway. <laughs> all those little, you know, all the things you learn about in English, the allusions and... I'm English major, I don't even know what they are. <laughs> but, I mean, all those complex little things, they kind of just happened on accident in some places. But the book is mostly, I mean, you can you can take it at face value okay. most of the time. But that doesn't mean the plot isn't interesting. There are plot twists in that book that you may or may not see coming. It's one of my favorite things when I'm reading a book or watching a show or whatever. When, when I re-read it or watch it, I see all these little details that I didn't notice before that kind of they foreshadow events that are be happening later that's mm -hmm. something I always enjoy so I'll look out for those when I reread it when I get the hard copy yeah I'm I'm a I'm a little bit bad at those to be honest the foreshadowing actually happened a little bit in mostly in the beginning because my the guy who edited my book David Sater shout out to David oh, Sater thank you what David. a good guy yes he is a good guy he edited it free of charge, just out of the goodness of his heart. So, thank you, David. Um, he was editing it, and every now and then he would put in, like, hmm, foreshadowing? Who knows? And so it kind of happened by accident. So you may find some in there. You may. Okay. So you're expecting the, the second two to come out. Probably the next one will come out next year around this time, mm -hmm. and the third one will come out year after that? Yep. Hopefully. All right. Things don't go awry. Who knows? I may get married in that time. It and then. Be. It'll come out 15 years from now because mm -hmm. I just won't even have time for it. But hopefully that will not happen. Hopefully I you won't will. get married. I mean, ever. I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a complicated question. All right. So where can people learn more about you and your work? There's a Facebook page. Um, it's called, it's just called Manslaughter. So you can find, you'll find information about all three books on that page. As well as the Twitter page. It's capital RDC and then Manslaughter. That's the Twitter username. And then the website is manslaughterofficial.webs.com because I didn't have money to buy my own domain name. So, But the Manslaughter Official doesn't have updates about the book, but it has all the information. It has my little author bio, and it has the summary of the first book anyway. So I'll add information about the second and third books as I go. And it has links to both of the Facebook and Twitter. And what was that website again? Manslaughterofficial.webs.com. Okay. All right. Thank you for being on the uh, the program today. No problem. It's been a good interview. It has been, hasn't it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can you hear that? Oh, wait. All right. All right. All right. We're good. <laughs> All right. Got the handshake in there. <laughs> Well, that about does it for this episode of Nighttime Stories. Don't forget to check out Rebecca Copeland's new book, Manslaughter, and leave a rating and review for this podcast on iTunes. Literally nothing else matters to me.